today, before we kind of move on, you know, next month into some different things as the Holy Spirit leads us, uh, one thing about discipleship is that is our goal is that we want to, here's the main thing. The main thing is that we become followers of Christ, true followers of Christ, but a true follower of Christ, a disciple is a disciple who makes disciples for Christ. Okay, this is key. All right, so this isn't about just being like uh, a church attender type thing. You're a disciple. You're, you're not following me. You're not following any organization or anything here or somewhere else. You're following Jesus himself. All right, empowered by him. Now, this is what we call the Great Commission. Can use this passage if we were preaching about teaching, if we're, teaching, if we're preaching about missions, if we're whatever. But it, it really... Is what a disciple does. Is to go and help other people become Christ followers. Who are equipped to then do the same. That's, that's something he has for all of us. And we, he uses us all in unique and different ways. So here's what Jesus said. Like what's on his mind. Before he ascended back to the father. This is after the resurrection. This is the resurrected victorious Jesus speaking here. Before he ascended. He says this to his followers. He said. In verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them. To observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord Jesus, bless your word. Lord, open up our hearts and our understanding and help us to apply it. In Jesus' name, Lord, your name, the name above all names, we pray. Amen. So the word that is translated there, disciple, uh, literally means when we're talking about being a disciple, um, sometimes this is one of those words, maybe not used a lot today as just a review. We've talked about this. You know, this or should that a disciple literally means a student or a follower. That's what that word means. Um, so in those days we've studied how that a disciple actually lived with and literally followed their teacher and participated in what he was doing. They followed. So I said this years ago. I was looking at some old notes that I had. You know, and we did then mm, quite a few years ago that Bible study, uh, not a fan. That Jesus has enough fans, not enough followers. And I found some old notes that I, in the 1990s that I wrote. And it says that Jesus has enough admirers. He's looking for followers. That's saying the same thing. This is something God wants to get across to us. So this word disciple includes the aspect of deep relationship that you have. You're not just someone who observes the teachings of Jesus or things like that. You're someone who has a deep, personal, intimate relationship with this teacher, master that you're following. That's what it means. Now, you say, well, you know, I've always considered myself a Christian, but... <laughs> Let's not get fanatical here, right? Well, you need to understand that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This happened back in Acts chapter 11, like a long, long time ago. You know, these people who were followers of Christ, imitating Christ, and they were being 
So much like Jesus, people started calling them little Christ, little Christians. Not that they had, not that they were Jesus, but that they were trying to be like Jesus, live like Jesus, following Jesus, Christians. So what I'm saying is, if you are a Christian, you're supposed to be a disciple. The synonymous. Yeah, we love our multisyllable words, don't we? Synonymous. Because you got to remember, I grew up in Arkansas where we take multiple syllables and we shorten them into one syllable, right? You know? Even phrases. Like, it'll be all right. We just say, right. Hey, it'll be all right if I go to town. Right. Those kind of things. But then we take single syllable words and stretch them. Just like most of the time, I just went by Mel. But there are people who like to put extra syllable in there. Hey, my y'all. Right? So we do that. Some, and, and so there, but there's an important word. I'm sorry to get off track already. But there's an important word that, that we understand that a Christian and a disciple are one and the same. Okay? So it's not like, well, I'll be a Christian, but I'm not sure if I want to be a disciple. Eh. You can't be a Christian unless you are a disciple. A student. A follower in relationship with Christ. So uh, what does it really mean to follow Christ and be a Christian? What is it? What is it he wants from us? What is the, one of the most desi- desired things? What's the main thing? Well, as someone once said, that part of our focus that we should have is to keep the main thing the main thing. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of other things that become the main thing, and the main thing's not the main thing. We want to keep the main thing the main thing. Okay, amen? Can I get an amen out of you today? All right, good, good. So what's one of the main things that's on Jesus' mind? I want to know what is it that matters so much to God? What is he concerned about? Well, one of the last things that he said was right here. Before I go, I want to remind you, as my follower, this is what I want you to be and do. And just to summarize it again, in Verses 19, 18 through 20, actually. He says that you are to go. Or literally, it's as you are going. As you are going from place to place. Make disciples. The Greek word there that is translated, make disciples, uh, is one word in the Greek. And it's a form of the word disciple. It could be, you could, I would translate it, discipleize. All nations. That's every ethnic group. All nations. Everyone. All. All means all. That's the mandate to go. As you're going from place to place, you're going to help discipleize, help others become disciples of Jesus, not disciples of us. So since Christ's mandate for his church is to make disciples, then I think it stands to reason that before we can help make disciples, we need to be a disciple. I'm keeping it real simple here, folks. We're going to keep it right on the bottom shelf today, okay? That, that we need to, if you're going to make one, you know, takes one. You've heard that, takes one to know one. Well, as far as to make disciples, it takes one to make one. That even rhymes better. Takes one to make one. Take, make. Okay, good. Man, we're doing good today. So Jesus wants us to focus on the priorities that were important to him. That should be our priorities. We've talked about that some in the last few weeks. So let's look at this, the precept that we have here. There's a precept and there's a process. Okay, are you following so far? Good, 
Everybody that may be at home, are you following? Good. Okay. I just thought I would throw that in there in case. In order to become a disciple, you've got to acquire a certain and specific body of knowledge about Jesus. There, there, there are some things you have to learn. And part of the root of being a disciple is that you're a student. And someone who wants to be a Christian or a disciple but doesn't want to learn about Jesus and doesn't want to learn about his teachings, I, there's a disconnect right there. There ought to be a passion inside of us. It's not about, it's not about this meeting in buildings. It's not about, it's about Jesus himself and being passionate about a relationship with him and knowing him. So teaching is always a part of discipleship and Jesus is the master teacher. In God's word, we have that body of knowledge God wants us to know. Let's go to Jesus' own words. Are you ready for another verse? Get ready. Here it comes. Boom. There it is. John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Belief, that's a word that can be translated as, as faith, right? Here's what he told them. If you abide in what? My word. You are my disciples indeed. That means you are truly, you're the real deal. There are other people saying they are, but you're the real deal. If you abide in my teaching, in my word. And what is his word? It's the word of God. So we have to know how to take that. We need to know the word. You, 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 you can't do what you don't know. And you can't know what you don't know. Boy, there's a deep one. Let's just think about that for a second. I can't know what I don't know. That's true, man. We should know some things. But we don't know yet. Because we're not being taught. Letting ourselves be taught. But then once we know, it's not enough just to know. Can you say that? It's not enough. Yeah, that wasn't very wholehearted. It's not enough to just know. It's not enough. All right, good. Because he wants us to take what we know and take this information and do something with it. He wants us to do something with it in our lives and through our lives. Do something with what you know. That's what being a disciple is. It's not just, it starts with knowing. You have to know him. There's things you need to know and believe, but then you have to do something with what you know. That's what a disciple does. Uh, there are certain steps we go through where it's put to the test. You know how you're in school and you're studying a certain subject and you got to find out if you really know it is, is you'll be tested, right? And then, then there's skills tests to see if you can actually do what it is you're learn, trying to learn to do. And that's why you see Jesus doing it all the time. He'd be teaching. The, you notice this? Isn't this good? He'd be teaching the disciples and they're like traveling with him. And then all of a sudden he would take them out into situations and he would tell them to go do stuff so they could actually start applying the things that they were learning. Did you notice he did that all the time? So they actually got to have hands-on experience so that one day after he ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit was sent, they not only had divine power, they had experience in these things because they were with Jesus as he sent them out to do different tasks. So we've got to be able to, and part of what he wants to do is to help us put into practice the things that we learn from him. That's awesome. Oswald Chambers, 
Any of you ever do the daily devotional? Uh, my utmost for his highest. And that's where this comes from. I, every few years, I'll just go through that. They have it, you know, and it's powerful. Here's what he said. He says, there is a difference between devotion to principles and devotion to a person. Hundreds of people today are devoting themselves to phases of truth and to causes. Jesus Christ never asked us to devote ourselves to a cause or a creed. He asked us to devote ourselves to him, Amen. right? And everything that he is involved in. So discipleship is, is that. It, it is doing something with what we've learned. But discipleship is also, it also involves other people. When he says go make disciples, it kind of is indicating you're going to be, as you go, all nations, everybody, as you go everywhere, you make disciples for me, he's saying. That means you need to come in contact with other people. And other people are involved in our discipleship. So God uses other people in helping us become better Christ followers, discipling us. And he wants to use you in helping others be a follower of Christ and be discipled. So I'm, here's the thing that never stops happening. That I am being discipled and am discipling. Those two things should be ongoing in our lives. That we all should be. Because there's other people that's gone down the road further than I have. And they've followed Christ longer than I have. And they know more than I have. They've applied more than I have. And I can learn from real people who are following Jesus. But then unturned, there's always somebody out there. And I don't care who you are and where you are today in your walk. There's always somebody out there that knows less than you do. Or that has followed him for a shorter amount of time. Haven't been through as many trials. And but, but, but see, he can use you uh, to help them. You don't have to know everything. And, and if you don't know it, don't share it, right? <laughs> so, but, but this time he's like, I don't know. I've never been through that. Uh, but, uh, but there are things that, that you have been through. You can help someone else. And as they're learning and as they're growing and as they're overcoming it, or how about this, as they're stumbling and as they're struggling, that you've been down that road and you're the best one that can help them apply what, you, what, what they've learned, what you learned, and how you applied it to grow and overcome. This is all something that should continually be happening. It involves other people. There's somebody out there. And it's good to have that experience, right? Need that. Well, it's, you know, it's kind of like if you're going to have open heart surgery or something like that, you don't want to meet with your surgeon. And, you know, I kind of got some questions. You know, I just take it for granted. Like, you know, I see you got that diploma up there on the wall. Um, I just want to make sure that um, you know what you're doing, right? Oh, I tell you what, I went to school and I had top in my class and, you know, I've done all this stuff and uh, I've read, but I watch YouTube videos on heart surgery and I'm just, you know, and then when I was young, I tell you what, we had that game operation, you know, where you take those tweezers and you go down in there and if you touch the sides, the nose lights up, it goes, Ink, you know, he said, man, I was the best at that. So I'm sure I've got this. And then you say, wait a minute. You mean you've personally never opened someone up and, and worked on the, the, the heart? No, I, yeah, that would be a problem, wouldn't it? Okay. But that's why they have the extensive internship and residency programs that if someone is going to be the lead surgeon, he or she has been through all of this and has assisted. And this will not be the first time that they've done this. You're going to know that. That's part of taking what they know and they have this extensive process of helping them develop the skills to do what they've learned. 
And it's the same thing in discipleship. That's what it is. Is that God wants all, this is why it gets so exciting. God wants us to be involved in other people's lives as we go through stuff. And some of the stuff that you've gone through, if you just trust God and let him take you through it, he's going to use you to help someone that's coming along behind you. And he's going to encourage you if you get a hand from those who've gone ahead of you. This is why it's so hard to be victorious Christ follower if you want to be a lone ranger, if you want to do it by yourself. It was never designed that way. Once you're saved, you're a Christian, you're a disciple, you're part of the body of Christ. You're connected to other believers. You're part of the family of God. You're related, whether you like it or not, to others in the family. You've got a connection. We've got a connection that's stronger than any human blood bond. We're related by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I love the way he does that. You see it in the early church that he took people who were Gentiles, people who were Jews, people who were from here and there and other places, some people from pagan backgrounds, some people from religious legalistic backgrounds, and he brings them together. People that had formerly had prejudice, he brings them together as one body united in Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. The unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. Everything that our world is doing. And have you noticed, everything society even tries to do to deal with, with the disunity just brings more disunity. It's only the body of Christ that can bring people together that we can overcome, that we can forgive, that we can heal, that we can help, that we can grow and that we can love and that we can glorify God together. I mean, we forget what was happening in the early church. Wow. As they came together, some of them, you know, in, in fact, there were many that were from a strict Jewish background that were taught that, man, if you even rub up against one of these Gentile heathens, you get like their spiritual cooties on you, you know, and you, right. And you can't go to the temple and stuff like that, you know. And, 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 and in a short amount of time, you see them overcoming that. And Paul talks about how that Christ, you know, he broke down that dividing wall and brings all things together. What do you think kind of witness that was to the world around them? Amen. This is where it happens. And it's, and it's all part of this whole discipleship process that involves other people. And so discipleship occurs when a person brings another person or persons along in such a way that the discipler imparts the right information while modeling the right skills of implementing that information. Here's what Paul told Timothy. Even those who were going to be coming along and ministering. He says, 2 Timothy 2, 2, in what you have heard from me is teaching. And it's not just, I'm doing this all willy-nilly. It was in the presence of many witnesses. Before the word was all written, if you want to know, am I saying it right? You got the word of God, you go compare it to. In those days, as guys like Paul, and as they were teaching and prophesying, uh, there were others who would judge and say, is this what Christ taught us? Is this what we've always heard? Among many witnesses. So don't let that, you know, it's like, I'm not just not me stepping out here doing my own thing here. This is what I've taught you among many witnesses. So they're verifying that this comes, this traces directly to Christ. This, this is coming from him. This is consistent. This isn't something weird. And he says, I want you to take that body of truth, the word of God that I've taught you. And he said, I want you to entrust it to faithful men who, yeah, entrust it to them. You're going to do the same thing with them that I've done with you. And then, then guess what? One more step. Who will be able to teach others also? Amen. 
So Paul's like, I can't teach everybody. I can't spend time with everybody, but I've spent time with you, Timothy, and I want, to take, I want you to take the things that, that I've taught you and the way I've shown you how to do this, and I want you to take other guys, and I want you to do the same thing and train them that then, then they can take more guys. And you see how this begins to network and how this begins to expand. It's like a snowball rolling down a hill. And so now we're not talking about addition. We're talking about multiplication. See, multiplication. This is where this thing happens. And so um, as the pastor, it's not my job to disciple everybody. It's my job to help equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? But who's, who is it? It's everyone. As we're going through our connections class, we're talking about, um, so uh, we have, we're, we're a church full of ministers. Everyone has a different ministry. And so I say, this is my goal, is that if some new person walks in and I happen to be standing up there and they say, well, I just want to know who is the minister here. I just want to point to this whole room full of people and say, there's a whole room full of them. Take your pick, right? Amen. Because that's what we all are. We have different responsibilities. And we have different gifts and callings, but we're all part of that ministry. So there's, there's the precept that we have of taking what he's taught us and implementing it and then helping others to do that as we're growing. But then this reminded that it's a process. One of the first things that we need to understand is that this whole thing of discipleship is a process of spiritual development. It doesn't happen like that. I mean, we need to start in prayer is where we, we, we start. I mean, it's been said, you can do more than pray. But you can't do more than pray until you first prayed. Yeah? Yeah, that's where we got to start. You can do more than pray, but you can't really do more than pray until you pray. So we start and we realize that, and, and, and I love that when someone comes up, and sometimes that's the breakthrough, you submit and you just come and pray. And when maybe you come up and we pray together. And then you walk out and call me later and say, you know what, those struggles I was having, still there. Okay, so this is like commitment time. This is like, okay, this is beginning a process. Now, don't get me wrong. I've seen God instantly and miraculously deliver people from uh, incredible things. I would just say that, and I've seen people that's been instantly delivered from some very powerful things have some little things that they're still working on. See? So it's a process that we keep growing. So what I'm trying to say is, is don't get the idea that you can come down here and I say a magic prayer over you. And your struggle's gone, your problem's gone. And uh, if, if that happened every time, you and I would never learn anything. But what's going to happen is, as you grow through it and you grow out of it. So there are some things that God did deliver me instantly from and powerfully from. And there are some things that the devil doesn't even waste his time harassing me with because he knows it doesn't do any good. He doesn't waste time like I do. Okay. Uh, but then yet there are some other things that seem to be a battle every day. And that ensures that I'm following him and submitting to him and trusting him and obeying him every single day. Because I'm going to have daily victory. And, and, and the enemy's going to come back tomorrow to see, all right, we're going to see if you're ready for the, this one. You know? It's, and, and, and so he renews me every day so I am ready and prepared, but I grow every day because of that. And every time the enemy comes at you and every time by faith you overcome you get stronger. You get closer to Christ. You grow as a disciple. 
So when we do this right, folks, the devil can't win for losing. That's awesome. Everything he hits you with to knock you down, the Lord will turn around and use it to build you up. So is it, yes, possible that the Lord will even use the enemy to help us grow? Absolutely. Absolutely. When we keep our eyes on the Lord and we obey him. But it's a process. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 25, a disciple is not above his master. He said this, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. Did you hear that? That a disciple be like his teacher. He wants you to be like him. So Jesus says the disciple is to become like him. We're to become like him. And it's a process. We're always interested in products. Now stay with me for just a couple more minutes. All right, please. We're interested in product. He's interested in process. I want to get from point A to point B. And when I'm praying about something, struggling, Lord, get me from here to there. Lord, I want to be there. I'm focused on there. And God is saying, I'm going to get you from here to there. But from here to there, you're going to go through that. And that's what I'm going to use to get you there so you don't go back to point A. He uses that process, the process, because a lot of times that's where I'm, I'm not interested in the process. I just want the answer. Right. I just want there. But taking me from here to there in that process is where he begins to work to conform me to Christ likeness, to his image. That's what he does. So it's not just a project. Ninety days to a more fit you. Right. Or 30 days to a slimmer you. I mean, we love that stuff. That sounds good. Sign me up. Only it doesn't usually work that way. Right? You sign up to 30 days to a slimmer you. You find out after 30 days up, they're going to hit your card again because you've got a membership and you've got to keep going. Huh? Well, we want that. We want that little bite-sized things. We want those little quick fixes, don't we? Um, but this is a lifelong journey. Right? It's a journey. It's a process. It's going to have ups and downs. Anybody in here have ups and downs? Or are y'all just so perfect that I need to just go sit down? Huh? We have ups and downs. I do too. I got full disclosure. I may preach on something and sound like, man, he's got that down, doesn't he? Yeah. Only you don't know that the very thing I preached on, the enemy attacks me and I struggle with it all week long. There's been a lot of times I've, I've really taken a bold stand on a certain aspect of God, of his teaching. And then the enemy's like, okay, let's see what you got. All week long. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen to anybody else in this room, I'm sure. Yeah. I sometimes, Lord, what are you ever going to do with my sorry self? I'm just glad he doesn't give up on me. I'm glad he's patient. I'm glad he's willing to, to you know, sometimes that's the way we learn, isn't it? You know, I, this is like my dad taught me so many times, you know, I'd do something stupid and, and he'd warn me and I'd, I'd get hurt. And he's like, yeah, that was great. One, Do it again. Get you some more of that, right? Do it again. Yeah. Just like throwing the fireworks. Remember the firecracker blew up my hand? Yeah, that's fun. Here, do another one. <laughs> no, I've learned. I've learned. Well, we keep growing even through the struggle. Even though the struggle gets stronger, we grow more. And, and, and C.S. Lewis was right. Pain is God's megaphone. And, and God really speaks to us and refines us through those times. And so the process involves time. 
salvation is just the introduction. You know, it's not enough for you to say, well, I'm saved, that's all I care about. It's, it's simply not enough to say, well, I'm on my way to heaven, I got my ticket punched, and that's, that's not the issue. That's not being a disciple. The issue is, are you becoming like the one who's taking you to heaven? That's the issue. That's discipleship. That's what Christ wants from us. It is a process that lasts your entire life. We've got old Daryl Cope over here, 96 years old. You know, when you're 56 or 66, nobody, you don't want nobody saying that. When you're 96, it's like, yep, I'm 96. He's proud of it. He's, yeah, because you've done something there. But you're still a disciple. You're still growing. You're still over. And he's still an example to me, I want to tell you. You see, there's been a lot of things. You're in the road ahead. I'm, I'll pick on you. Uh, and you and, and like Wayne and some of you guys, you've been through stuff. And I've been there with you and I've watched you. Daryl, I've been with you as you've dealt with the passing of two wives. And through that, suffering, pain. Um, we've been through a lot of life together. And I not only wanted to be your friend, number one, be your friend. Number two, be your pastor. But I was also your student. Because I got to watch a brother apply these things over and over and go through it. And I'm watching and learning. And that's the best way to learn, you know it? I always thought if the teacher would just whoop the kid next to me, I'd straighten up, right? Right? <laughs> but, but, but you can learn by watching others, but there's some stuff you're going to have to go through. But hopefully applying the Word of God and walking with Christ. And then I've got brothers and sisters who are walking down the road ahead. And hopefully I can see as they implement and as they go through their struggles and their victories, I can learn. Amen? I can learn. Sometimes we can watch people and learn what not to do. Amen? And there's a testimony there. But it doesn't happen instantly. Reminds me of that old story that Wayne used to tell. Uh, about the old farmer that, you know, never had been out. There used to be people like that around here that, you know, when you were young, they, they'd never been out of Wright County, you know. Uh, like, like I think, Daryl, one of you guys told about the guy that made his first trip to Springfield. I know I mentioned that Wednesday night. Made his first trip to Springfield. And I guess the roads probably weren't as good. They're probably a gravel road back then or something. Went all the way to Springfield and back, the old guy. And they said, what do you think about going to Springfield? And he said, man, he said, if the world's as big the other direction as it is that direction, she's a doozy, right? You know, and he'd only been to Springfield. So sometimes our perspective is different. But the old farmer goes to town and he had never been to town. And they go to Kansas City. City, and they take him down to down there, you know, downtown and all those big hotels and he goes inside and it's just open all the way to the top, you know, like 20 something stories all the way to the top open. And there's this cylinder tube that's up there and it comes down and a door opens and people get out and, and they're just like, what is that? And, and this, this elderly large lady waddles along there and goes in there and the door closes and they just watch in awe as it goes all the way to the top to the penthouse and then it stops and it comes all the way down and then the door opens and this beautiful blonde steps out and walks right by them. And the old farmer picks his jaw up off the floor and he elbows his kid and he says, boy, <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> Boy, next time we come to town, you remind me, let's bring your mall and run her through that thing. Let's just try that. Yeah, it's not that simple, is it? It's a pro I know that's an old one, but 
It's a process that illustrates how sometimes we almost think discipleship should be that easy, right? It's not. It's a process. It's a lifelong pursuit. It's a lifelong walk. Um, And we're not transformed completely in a few minutes. He is always working on us. In fact, if you, and here's what I found. I know, I know, I know. I have people that I love a lot that believe they really come to that point that they're living above sin and can no longer be tempted and they're perfectly, perfectly set apart. Until I go watch them, their kids play ball and see them in the stands and I think, okay, there may be a little less than Christ-likeness here. It's not just that you don't do the dirty dozen or the nasty nine. It's that in my thoughts and my attitudes and my actions, am I as perfect as Jesus himself? I'm not there yet. Praise God, he's still working on me. Amen? Amen. Amen. One of these days, he's going to deliver me from this old body of sin-cursed flesh and this sin-cursed world. And we are going to be perfect. And it's all because of what Jesus did on the cross. But he wants to take what he did on the cross and work it in our lives. He gets all the credit, all the glory. Because when you're saved, your position is you went from being in sin to being in Christ. Right? That's your position. There's two things here. My position and then my practice. And and what the old preacher said is true. That when you get saved, your sins were put on Jesus and he paid for every one of them. And then God takes the righteousness of Christ and deposits it in your life. So that when God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin. He sees Christ's righteousness. He no longer sees your sin. He sees Jesus in your heart. That's true. That's true. That's justification. But then sanctification is he's growing us every day. Okay? So your, your, your salvation is this. Listen to me. Your practice. I want to tell you, there are a lot of days my practice doesn't match my position. Are you following me? My walk as a disciple is the growth of my practice to match my position. Of being totally Christ-like. Shall we... Realize that we should wrap this up now. Salvation's got three aspects to it. Past, present, and future. I can actually say this. I can say correctly, I am saved. And I am a disciple. I have been, it happened in the past, I've been saved. Then I can also, it's true for me to say, I am being saved. And then it's also accurate for me to say, I will be saved. All three are true because you're talking about position and practice. Uh, because I can say I have been saved. Ephesians 2.8, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved. At a point in the past, it happened. It, it happened. It's, it's, it happened. It's done. You're saved. And that not of yourselves is a gift of God. Now, I have been saved. I've been delivered from the, watch this, penalty of sin. Christ paid that penalty on the cross. But it's also correct for me to say I am being saved. And that's why he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Day by day I'm being renewed, as I am presently being saved from the power of sin in my life. I am being saved from it, and I'm, I'm growing. And then it's still correct for me to say I will be saved, because he says in 1 Peter 1, 5, That we are kept by the power of God through faith. 
for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And that is that time that I'm delivered from the sin-cursed body, from the sin-cursed world. And I am delivered not only from the penalty of sin and the power of sin, but from the very presence of sin forever and ever and ever and ever. That's part of what's going on. This is a process that we are in. And so listen to me. Do not give up. Don't disconnect. Don't disconnect. You may feel like you're going in circles, but maybe every time you circle around, you're circling a little higher and a little higher. So don't give up, all right? It's a process. God won't give up on you. Don't you give up on him. Don't give up on yourself. I can't do it. Good. Admit that. Let God have control. What he's trying to do is upload his image into your life, disciples, Christ followers. When I connect to my computer and I connect to the cloud, it tries to sync all the files. Now, sometimes I have a problem here because I'm working on some notes and stuff at the home computer. And I'm working on them and I'm like, I'm going to save that thing. I'm going to come up here and I'm going I'm to print it off or I'm going to use it and teach a class. And then I shut down my computer or I close the lid on that thing before it has the time to sync up to the cloud. And then when I come up here and I open it up, It opens my old file. Don't disconnect too soon. He's trying to to upload or download his, however you want to say it. He's trying to download his image into you. And if you disconnect too quick, next time you come in a situation, you open up and it's the old version of you, not the new version. Right? Same thing like whenever your computer's updating, it comes out a little message like, do not shut it off or disconnect while it's updating because it could corrupt some. Listen, don't shut it off. Amen. He is downloading, he's updating you into the image of Christ. Don't disconnect too soon or you'll mess it all up. That's what I'm saying. He has his process going on. He's syncing you up with his perfect image and his will. Don't get flustered and impatient and disconnect on God. Don't let that happen. And so this involves a whole level of commitment here. I want to share one more verse with you. And that's where Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me. His he's, arms are open. Somehow we think Jesus is like, as a kid, just the way... Some of our preachers were, I almost imagine him as, oh, a lot of people looked at me that way, Colonel. It's like, boy, you better point finger. The same people would tell you don't point, but hey, you. Jesus did a lot of that to the religious leaders and legalists and Pharisees, didn't he? But to us sinners, he's like this. Arms open, palms up, come to me, come to me. That's the image I see in my heart when I read that. He said, all who labor and heavy laden, you're trying to do it on your own? He said, I'll give you rest. That's where the real Sabbath is, it's Jesus. We keep the Sabbath seven days a week as we rest in him. And he goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. And he says, and learn. Do you see that word learn? It's the same word translated disciple. Same word. You could say, take my yoke upon you and learn or be my disciple. Same root word. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let that sink in because here's what he's saying. He paints a vivid picture, picture here of what the process looks like when he speaks of his yoke. Now, I'm thankful I grew up around this kind of stuff, which a lot of people don't have any idea. Yoke's what you hook a couple of animals up to. You hook them up to a plow. You hook them up to each other. 
And when I was a kid, Gramps still plowed the garden with an old mule, right? And we called her Jenny, but actually a female donkey's a Jenny, a female mule's a what? Huh? Well, a henny is where you cross. I guess it's too complicated. Is a molly. I, I Googled this earlier, so I'm cheating. <laughs> yeah, a mule's where you have like a, 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 a female horse and a male donkey. And a henny is when you have like a, a male horse. And a, I mean, well, it's, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Farm life is for me. Green acres, yes. Uh, so, but, but that old mule. Hook up that yoke. Have a couple old mules hook them together. Still did that. That's the way he grew up. He liked doing it that way as long as he could. Yoke is put on for three basic reasons. Think about that. Put my yoke on you. Are you I'm going I'm to wrap it up. I mean it. I mean it this time. I'm not just teasing you. It means submission. It's, it brings the animal under control. Under the control of the one who's, plow, uh, who's behind the plow holding the reins. In discipleship, Christ is seeking our submission. We must be under his control. Take my yoke upon you. Secondly, it does speak of work. There is work to be done. Amen? That's why they harnessed them up. It implies responsibility. Purpose. There's a purpose for the yoke, and that is to accomplish the work at hand. God saved you. Because he not only wants you to be in heaven with him, there's something he wants to do in and through your life here. Work to be done. A work that's a glorious work. He can only fulfill the responsibility when you're yoked together with him. Finally, it speaks of this companionship. Take my yoke, Jesus said. I am in the yoke with you. And I know enough about it to know that, especially in the ancient world, and they still do it. Sometimes they trained a young donkey or mule or ox by yoking them with an older, more experienced one. And you can adjust that yoke where most of the pressure and most of the tension falls on the stronger, the older one. And then the other one doesn't have as much, but they're there learning and going. And you know what? Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You want to know why? Because you're in the yoke with me. You're a part of this. You got some stuff I got to do through you. You're going to be with me step by step. But I'm the one bearing the weight. I'm the one pulling the load. But you're in here with me. That's beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, you'll find rest for your souls. Wow. That's especially true. His yoke is easy when you consider the yoke or the, the result of the consequences in the burden of sin. His burden is light. Yeah. Yeah. The rest he is talking about here means enjoying his provision. Life is hectic, but you're going to experience God's peace and his joy and his power and a lot of other blessings. Are you finding rest for your soul as you follow him and help others follow him? Pray with me. Heavenly Father.